I feel like women are over-mentored and under-sponsored. Hi, welcome back to the CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor, CIO Australia. That was Niha Kumar, you just heard. Senior Analyst with Gartner, summing up certainly one of the key reasons why there's still so few women in tech with even less occupying senior roles in the profession. In this episode, we're privileged to have her along with two other senior female tech leaders as guests on the program, addressing first up the worrying trend whereby fewer women seem to be applying for tech roles in Australia. Part of the reason for this certainly lies in what many see as innate gender differences, including the fact men tend to overstate their abilities with women more likely to do the opposite. There's a lot more to it than that. Take the fact so many women, even and men for that matter, in professions outside of tech are required to master a broad range of digital skills today, especially if you think about female-dominated professions like marketing, healthcare, and education. It stands to reason then that CIOs who strive to think more holistically and creatively throughout the recruitment process will likely find themselves with more women on their teams while easing the burden of the perennial tech skills shortage, which has been made so much worse by COVID-19. Now, we're very privileged to have with us today Jennifer Robiero, CIO with Victoria's City West Water, Nikki Doble, CIO and SISO with Global Insurance Company, Covermore. Ladies, uh, congratulations once again for your um, being uh, making it to the CIO 50 last year. And of course, also, as we heard at the top of the program, Nehal Kumar, Senior Analyst with Gartner. Welcome, everyone. Hi, David. How are you? Great. Thanks so much for being part of it. Jennifer, if we can start with you. We were talking recently about this rather unusual situation you found yourself in whereby you, you've got quite a lot of roles you're trying to fill, a lot of lot of work going on at City West Water, but you're seeing only 10% and even less of applicants for tech roles are women, in some cases no women applying for roles at all, which is a little bit concerning given we know that about 20% of the tech industry or tech professionals are women. So what, what do you think is going on there and what are you trying to do about it? Uh, what do we think is going on? I don't think um, there's enough enough focus on growing the talent um, in in the female sector, so growing tech talent. Uh, and if I give you one example, we had a team leader DevSecOps role that we had in the market for probably about six months. Um, we, we advertised, didn't get any female candidates. We went to agencies and couldn't attract any female candidates. Mm. Um, and then we actually tried to do our own little bit of headhunting, going to LinkedIn and stalking um, <laughs> some individuals. And what we found was that there's very few people who identify um, as experts in their field in in the female candidature candidature pool. That they 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 say, oh yeah, we we know a bit about um, about security, but I, I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to be a team leader or I'm ready to be the expert in the organisation and and establish a capability around DevSecOps. And it's that confidence. Factor Factor. People are, are happy to, to be part of a team, but not necessarily happy in some instances to lead a team. Yeah. Uh, and so therefore, it's what are we doing about, about building out that rounded management capability and confidence in our female talent pool to say, I am awesome and I'm ready to take this on because I'm expert at my subject matter and now I'm going to be an expert at, at leading sure. as well. Nikki. 
Nikki, is that something that you found? Were you seeing a fairly low proportion of applicants as well? Because I know you've got a lot of projects going on. I'm assuming you're trying to hire as well. Yeah, we've got we've got big vacancies as well. I think everybody is COVID. COVID was great for digital transformations. Um, yes. Look, we're we're seeing um, um, a, a, a lot higher um, percentage of female applicants for permanent roles. Contract roles, very very little. It's very difficult. Uh, and also, when you're contracting. You're kind of just going, oh, my God, I need someone today, now, immediately. So you don't even really have time to look as much because I think, uh, to Janice's point with her LinkedIn in LinkedIn stalking, which we all do, um, uh, you know, you've got to really cultivate because those technical females are out there and I think it's a little bit of a, uh, a misbelief that they're not because they are, um, but they'll come through networks is where they'll come through. They'll come through, um, you know, female leaders uh, having a profile. You know, Jennifer, you, you would in your role would attract other females coming to work with you. I, I know that that happens in my space as well. Um, so, yeah, you have to find them, but the technical talent's there, but it's, it's yeah, it's that generation of, of moving them in. But I think the structure, um, I use my hands a lot, and it's not going to work at a podcast, so my apologies to everyone listening. <laughs> You've got to build the, the structure around it as well because, um, yes, it's developing, in, but I think you need to have a tipping point of women. You need to be an attractive place for people or other women to come in and, and go, actually, that's going to be a cool place to work because they're going to value what I bring to the table. Yeah, and Neha, you and I were speaking about this recently, this um, issue with uh, women perhaps being more likely to underestimate their skills and abilities, whilst men, certainly most very successful men, do the absolute opposite. Yeah, very true. I think what we've discovered in our conversations uh, with leaders, and just like you described, Jennifer, you know, the, the fact that when we talk about these job descriptions and we describe the candidate as an expert or someone that is, uh, you know, a rock star, uh, you know, that will be lead, especially in the leadership uh, positions, what we've seen, yes, uh, which is true, is that women are sometimes likely to underestimate their qualifications, their ability to lead. They may be happy to belong to a team. And, and therefore, for example, when you have descriptions, even the number of skills that we see in job descriptions, if there are too many, mm. men, even if they feel like they have 60% of what's required, they're more likely to apply, whereas women will wait until they feel like they have almost 90% of what they, what's required in that job description description until yeah. they feel confident enough to hit that apply button. So yes, what, what we've seen organizations do in that regard is sort of make sure that the job descriptions are, you know, they're they're appealing to the talent pool of, uh, you know, women of diverse talent as well. Even tenure requirements sometimes come in uh, in terms of how much of a background uh, in a leadership role do you feel these candidates should bring in? And women typically have more of a a non-linear career path that they may have taken. So they're also less likely to apply. And we've seen examples from organizations where they've gone through, a, you know, a job description revision. They've removed any even unconscious biases that may have come into the job descriptions. And that has resulted in an increase uh, in terms of, you know, the number of women that have started applying. All right. And Jen, Jen, you and I were speaking recently about, I mean, and, and this is this just seems particularly absurd in the context of the IT skill shortage that we have at the moment. And of course, that's worse 
through COVID because you're unable to tap any talent pools beyond Australia. But Jen, you and I were talking about this, um, the need for CIOs to stop obsessing about finding quality candidates and think a little bit more about creating them, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we spend a lot of time going out to market and looking for um, the perfect candidate. And in many times it's about um, hiring for attitude. And I think everybody, Neha, David, Nikki, you'll all agree that, you know, if you get the right attitude, you can train and you can build the skills set in the, in the capabilities. Um, so we have one particular um, female um, employee that has actually done a range of different activities and we've continued to, to build her skill set out where she's now doing some really interesting work that I don't even think she would have thought that she would do um, when she started her career in IT. So it's very much around take the attitude, build the skill set where you can. Obviously, they had a foundation. This particular individual had a foundation in technology, but it doesn't mean that, you know, to, to Neha's point, doesn't mean that you can't take someone from a different industry and bring them in to the, to the technology industry. It is part of everybody's job now. Sure. And do you feel, you know, as all of, all of you being experienced, respected technology leaders, do you, do you feel, um, you know, when you speak to your male peers in the industry that you have a more, that you feel, do you feel you bring a distinctly more holistic and broader attitude and approach to recruitment than, than men might do? I think we're willing to look and think laterally about it rather yeah. than structurally as Nikki was saying that you know we we would potentially right. give give opportunity where um, ordinarily uh, someone's looking for 70% or 80% we might say well I'm I'm ready to take a punt um, yeah. because we we're more committed to to giving people opportunity or giving women an opportunity as well right so perhaps I think Oh, it's rigorous. Sorry, Nikki. Yeah, I, I think maybe and it's our approach to it. Mm -hmm. And I and I, I'll go back again to the to the network um component because perhaps traditionally, David, um you know, um you go onto SQL, you go onto LinkedIn. But I, I think um maybe the advantage we might have in in going out is that we will tap those networks a lot more and and we will do those things because women in the interview process um uh women will ask uh, make a difference women will ask other women is this a good place to work but they'll ask them in the interview if there's no women in the in the interview they're not going to ask that so you you know and they might fall out because you know fall out of the process because you haven't got a woman in the in the interview process anyway because of so I think uh, to the linear thinking, but also the way of finding talent, because there's amazing talent out there. Um, it, we're, we're probably just better at, at, at sneaking it out a bit, a bit more because we're, we're used to getting approached that way and, and we're probably uh, much better at, at using those same skills to attract talent to us. Yeah. 
to what Nikki, you know, said, it, it's so important to have that level of, you know, diversity demonstrated in that recruitment process as well, because when women see other women on that panel, they know this is possible. They are likely to ask, you know, these questions around, is this the right fit? And also, more importantly, people that are on the panel are likely to bring in people like themselves as well, right? That, that, that happens too. Mm. And the fact that, uh, you know, when we see even the recruitment process for those people that are on the interview panel to be aware, it's not just about looking for someone that will fit your existing culture, but someone that will add to your existing culture that will bring diversity of opinions, of backgrounds, of perspectives is something that we're seeing a lot of organizations do in terms of making their interview panel aware of what we're looking for. We enable any organization to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies, protecting the identity of both workforces and customers. Connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Okta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organization. Have any of you had that sort of specific experience of maybe bringing a, a, a woman into a role in, in your current teams or in previous jobs where, you, where it's been quite noticeable, the cultural change? I wouldn't say one woman because that's a canary in a coal, a coal mine, yeah, and if your canary dies, it's not, it's not the canary's fault, it's the coal mine's fault. Um, I think you've got to reach... <laughs> you've got to you've got to reach a tipping point and and that I, I love this analogy which was was said to me a while back which was you know if you've got three people in a white t-shirt and one's wearing a black t-shirt you notice that person in the black t-shirt but as soon as you've got two people in black t-shirts and two people in white t-shirts suddenly it's not about the group or the outsider no one's standing out on their own anymore yeah. so then you're noticing the difference in the personalities rather than the group so I think where it really makes a significant difference and 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 um, I thankfully for lots of different reasons have very good female tech representation in my teams um, uh, and when you've got a number of them together completely different culture entirely different culture um, if you've got one or two it's tough yeah because you're not seeing the difference that you, you're kind of expecting that one woman to change a whole way of thinking and that's not going to work she's probably going to comply or she's going to leave so present, you need more present company expected of course oh yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit bolder than most yeah, and i would add yeah. i would probably add to nikki's comment by saying we've got to create um a safe environment mm. as well yeah so that is uh, it's really important that as le female leaders um and then having a, a, a team of you know, balanced leadership, um, that that it is a safe environment for um, people to come in. And it, it's not just about females coming into a safe environment. We just need to have people feel comfortable representing their difference. Yeah, they've got to be your authentic self at work. And, and that, that plays out in so many different, in different ways, regardless of your background or, or gender. Yeah. And now you, now you and I were speaking recently about the 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 problem that there's so few tech leaders like like Mickey and Jennifer that that could perhaps be a deterrent for women who are thinking about a career path and if they see a lack of women at the top well then 
certainly certainly there's a perception that the glass ceiling is still very much there, right? Yeah, there, there's so many things that we can do to increase the number of women. Some of what we've talked about so far were more of the immediate short term things in terms of job descriptions, in terms of the hiring panels and, you know, showcasing existing talent there. But then there are these long term things around where you talked about, Jennifer, there around inclusion as well, right? Making sure that people that we bring in actually feel like they belong here. They feel like this is a safe place where they can learn, they can grow and uh, they can, you know, bring in their skills that can be utilized and the fact that you know we need these vocal visible role models for them in leadership roles so that's something that feels you know that makes these women realize there is a clear way to the top and then giving them those opportunities to get the level of mentoring the level of sponsorship as well because i feel like women are over mentored and under sponsored so giving them that level of advocacy to get them into leadership roles I, is really important as well. i love that you bring that up Miha. actually i love i can't let that one go i'm sorry david i'm, I'm taking over but i love i love that. I love that, you know, well, we've got to mentor women. No, we don't need to mentor women. Like, you know, women need the same amount of mentoring as men. men women, if, if we need anything, it's the championship uh, piece that, that you speak of. Because I think also, too, when 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 some of these campaigns come out and, and I know I've had calls and I go, oh, you're so going down the wrong path. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we're going to mentor you and we'll give you more development and, 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 and you're in the succession plan. And you're like, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a very capable leader. I know my skill sets. Now that might have worked 10, 15 years ago when I wasn't quite as 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 confident in that. But you know, give me the technical skills or give me these other skills. Don't, you know, giving this idea that women need more mentoring than men is false because it feeds into this women are broken mentality or, or they're not up to the grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to they're they're absolutely allowed at the table. They should be there. Why aren't they there? Rather than all oh, we need to mentor them in that into that spot. We don't need mentoring into that spot. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna take that away with me. I'm gonna go over mentored under sponsored. Yeah, go. You, you go, girlfriend. <laughs> Love it. As you said, girlfriend, fantastic. <laughs> That's what we also want to discuss is, you know, we've, we've heard this, this hoary old, which it's in very short time become, in my view, a fairly hoary old cliche that all businesses are technology businesses today. Do you think we can extend that to all or many or most professions are technology professions as well? I mean, we've seen that in, in the marketing industry, which is heavily female dominated, and there's plenty of other sectors such as health and law and education that are, where there's a heavy amount of um, female representation and all of those professions are becoming increasingly tech oriented. Is that something that we can perhaps be thinking about in terms of identifying women that would ha likely have, um, you know, great competency around digital technology tools without even maybe even knowing it? Look, I think that we're... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, where I love the the you know when we talk about STEM, I love I love STEAM. I love the idea of that because I think technology does need more of that um, arts thinking, that humanities thinking into it. I mean, this is why we're getting you know some terrible, terrible technology solutions that come through that 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 you just go, wow, where was where was the grown up in the room when that when they came up with that idea? You know, so I think uh, as much as yeah, we'll get them from marketing, and I think as as technology goes into that product management thinking with the with the tech 
you know, with the with 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 companies being born in the cloud and being tech companies as they start, I think that will come, and then more in those traditional areas, you know, where the, those arts and humanities subjects will come through. So I, I like when people start talking about STEAM rather than STEM because I think that will attract a lot of talent to influence into some of that technology thinking and therefore into the the leadership path. And I'll also add to it, uh, you know, the the fact that we're talking about broadening, the fact that there's so many roles out there that have technology responsibilities that are not something that they're doing as just to learn. It, it's a part of their job. In, you know, you talked about marketing or about healthcare and so many other professions. And the fact that they bring in this diversity of, you know, the functional skills as well as the technology skills, which makes me think when we're talking about bringing more women into our uh, talent, and pool broadening the adjacency criteria as well so that we're able to tap into these adjacent sectors where women have these skills already mm -hmm. and also when we talk about uh, you know tapping into adjacent skills it's about not just outside of our workforce now that we know there are women in our organization in different functions outside corporate IT that have technology skills mm -hmm. look into our organization first L let's tap into the technologies outside of corporate IT in our organization as well. So Jenny, we're going to jump in there. I was just going to say it's not all or nothing and I think that's the the Neha just nailed exactly what I was going to say. It's it's not all or nothing. It's about taking what you've got. Um, you know, one of the jobs of the future that they're talking about is this balance for cyber around having the the ability to uh, to do the coding to to understand how to identify threats, coupled with the behavioural analysis associated with the the, the threat actors. So. Go, let me use my psychology degree to understand why that threat actor is going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Let me use my technology um, background, either through data and analytics or through um, through through dev development, to be able to bring the two together to go. Well, now I'm going to I'm going to beat you at your own game um, mm. because I'm taking I'm taking the approach at multiple levels of addressing some of the threats that we're being present that are being presented. So it is it, it's not all or nothing. It, it's it's bringing it together absolutely to be able to to deal with the the workforce and the jobs of the future yeah something that you and i were talking about Neha, and this is and this is a, a, a area of discussion we we covered in our an episode of the cio show last year on women in tech and this kind of notion that um that the, the, the number of women working in technology or engineering is roughly proportionate to the number of women who want to do those roles and you kind of shifted my thinking about that recently um, particularly in talking about how um, how CIOs uh, recruit how job ads are worded and sort of opening my eyes to how that's probably one of the main reasons why they're being discouraged and you you, you mentioned to me that when you were studying IT in India there were far more women in your classes than men I thought that was very interesting I think it's, uh, what we want to do in life is, a, you know, in terms of the career that we want to pursue is a combination of where our aspirations lie, where the organization's needs are as well, and, you know, where the opportunities are. So I feel like depending on where we are in the world, like, for example, I can speak for myself, we could see so many companies 
that had tech requirements that we knew if we pursue this path, there is a future for us. So there were, in fact, a lot of women uh, in my, uh, you know, batch when we were in engineering. So it all depends on where there is a, an opportunity and also where I feel like my skills are. What am I good at? So finding that right balance. And I feel like what some organizations have done really well there uh, is also partnering with educational institutions in terms of showing the visibility of what the opportunities are, where the future needs are, so that people that are pursuing education know what they can prioritize because this is where they, you know, the organizations that are going to hire for as they come to the graduation point. So that's something that it can be done by more uh, organizations is partnering intentionally with the education institutes as well. Yeah. And Jen, you, you, you've been involved in, and as you, you have as well, Nikki, Jen, you've been involved in um, helping students and working with schools and universities, is that right? Absolutely. Um, so we, we're an engineering organisation um, at our heart as well. So right. um, we work with Victoria University in the, the STEM, the E part of STEM, mm -hmm. um, uh, and have uh, scholarships for, for students, but also from a technology perspective, we work with the Wyndham Tech School, um, led by the very capable Gail. And um, so what they do is that they take technology to, to high schools and they will run sessions on robotics and they will have students building digital twins and things like and and taking um, female leaders out to groups of girls to say you can have a look at this female leader you can um, very successfully have a career in data and analytics or a career in um, robotics etc so it's really important i think um, to, to neha's point to to introduce um, these career paths very very early on so when students are thinking about where they want to go they're they're seeing opportunities and being inspired by people who are successful in that field. Mm -hmm. We took, and look, going back to mentoring, we had a good laugh about that, but I suspect, <laughs> all, I suspect all three of you have mentored men and women throughout your careers. Do, do, do you, as women, mentor men and women differently, do you think? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think I, I, I actually I do say I do it differently I do differently I do do it differently um, I'm probably more forthright with my with my females in telling them to take opportunities and I probably share with them actually I share with everybody but I, I, I do I, I, it is a conscious thing that I do is that I don't think until people tell you um, what you can do or what you can earn, or the different things that are out there. Unless someone's telling you, go and grab this and, and whatever, you're kind of fumbling along your way. So I make sure my female staff know just how competitive they are in so the market. You, yeah? put, you put a stronger palm in the back of their back. Yeah, yeah, I put a strong palm. Probably, yeah, I put a stronger palm because I think if the, if the guys need it too, I mean, it's a very individual thing, but I, I think it's really important that there's no one, I th because there's so few female leaders ahead of them, there's no one telling necessarily looking back and saying, hey, this is what you should be asking for or, or this is a path or, or that's acceptable or that's not acceptable. So yeah. I think I, I, I do do it differently um, and I probably overshare some of those things that I think would have gotten me to where I am faster had yeah. someone done that yeah. for me. Yeah, in a more in a more structured way. Yeah. 
rather than finding out things by accident? I would say that absolutely differently. For, for the female um, cohort, I would talk about building confidence yeah. and being confident yeah. um, to, to be able to do what you can do and what, you know, what you're capable of. And with a male counterpart is, is using the confidence that they have and taking it to that next level. So it is, it's all about confidence, but one's about building and one's about using. Um, so they are quite different conversations. Sure. And Niha, what are your views on that? I think the one thing that I emphasise differently, uh, you know, in speaking to women often is to be comfortable and confident being their authentic self. You don't have to be like a man to be successful because a lot of their role models, a lot of the visible leaders in organisations are men. And I feel like in a lot of conversations, even with clients, they feel like a bit intimidated sometimes. So the one thing that I emphasize probably is, it, you know, you have your own unique strengths as well. Lead with that rather than trying to suppress that and, you know, being feeling like you need to be like someone else to be good enough for this role. That's the one thing that I do emphasize. Sure. And Nikki, you mentioned just quickly that you mentioned women um, understanding what you can get paid. I think that's very interesting as well. Mm. Because, I mean, 25 years ago, you know, IT was considered very nerdy and maybe paid okay. So that's, when I, entered, that's when I entered IT, David. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you weren't afraid of being a nerd. No, I mean, And let's face it, you know, we, we could probably all agree that a lot of the reason why there's concerns about the lack of women in tech is that it's transpired that you can become incredibly wealthy and powerful in this mm. space. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and look, I think security is a hilarious example of, of you know, back in back back in 25, like security back then, I mean, it wasn't, but as a general, it was the access admin, you know, that was the security team and, and there was a bit of other stuff. And now security is kind of one of the the um, fastest and probably most well-paying um, areas around. So it, it definitely comes um definitely comes across and and yeah maybe maybe now that tech scene is a little bit cooler you know yeah. it'll attract more people my kids still do not think it's cool <laughs> they like the house but they just don't think tech's cool and, and you know robots i think are awesome jennifer when you're talking about yes. robots i love robots um yeah not not popular in my house but um uh, i do think as as technology becomes more, uh, I think I'm answering your question, as it becomes more open and accessible than it, than it will be seen as, as as something that you can go and earn good coin in and, and still be cool, you know, and, and um, have a good, have a good, interesting life. Yeah. And um, Niha, just going back to something we were talking about recently with the, the, the Gardner CIO Forum, what more can be done to get more women into senior roles. We've sort of touched on it, but, but I know you've got some more to say on that. Yeah, a lot of conversations that we have with women that are in leadership roles, such as say CIOs, there's still a long way to go. The numbers are increasing though, which is the good part. Mm -hmm. But when we speak to them about their aspirations, they do want to get on, you know, the board uh, positions. They want to take on senior leadership uh, roles on uh, the boards as well. And so a lot of conversations there, uh, you know, as well are around uh, what can we do? What kind of skills do we need there? What kind of capabilities do we need to have in place? 
And um, often what we've seen is in practice that the qualifications of women that have ended up being on boards uh, is actually a lot more. So women feel like they need to achieve a lot more. They need a lot more qualifications uh, to be able to get there. So what, what we've been emphasizing is it's a balance. It's a balance of the qualifications as well as the attitude, the confidence and trust yourself with the experience that you have that is good enough, you know, to, to get on these boards. So go ahead and apply, you know, take on these uh, roles as well. And you talked a bit about that pay equity. Uh, you know, it's so important to have that gender pay equity. So even when we bring these conversations up, I go, uh, you know, to, to that step of, you know, when I'm talking to people, to CIOs, making it uncomfortable in terms of if your company understands there is pay inequity, why would you allow that to continue, you know? So making it something that is challenging in terms of either you treat all your employees equally or you don't. So those are things um, that come up a lot in conversations uh, when we have, uh, especially at the forum that we just had recently. So look, coming into the nerd, fully nerdier end of this conversation, I was just reflecting recently about the you know, this recent bad press that, that Amazon and Google and other companies have, have had bad press as well about um, deploying AI systems, particularly around recruitment, that had been discovered to be perpetuating biases. And Niha, you and I were talking recently about how technologies like AI, AI for instance, could be used to increase uh, diversity. I think that's, a, that's an interesting area of, of conversation in this, in this topic. Yes, there, there are the process we, we call a gender decoding. So making sure that you probably say go blind in your interview where you're intentionally removing indications of, you know, gender or race or any of those backgrounds that may bias the interviewer. So making sure you can do that. And there are organizations that have uh, implemented that you can use le you can leverage technology to do that as well and that has shown an increase in the number of women applicants that have been selected for the next round of interviews yes it's true though that you know this is a new area so that when you leverage technology it all depends on who's designing that technology so the teams that are behind this often if there aren't enough women in there they may not be aware of the unconscious bias that you embed into technology as well so we have seen organizations identify that mm. but but the more important thing in terms of technology is you you learn from this. Yes, yes, we failed, but what did we learn? We rectified our you know technology to make sure that that bias is removed. So it's about failing fast and learning from that. But not not to say we don't use technology because sometimes sometimes we fail. So leveraging technology is going to augment the role of HR in terms of making sure that those actual numbers that we want to achieve with gender diversity, but also broader diversity is something that we can do. Well, that's that's a very exciting area of, of conversation, the potential for IT itself to address inequality within the sector. Ladies, thanks so much for, for your time. It's been a wonderful conversation and we look forward to having you all back on the CIO show again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, throughout 2020 and into 2021, we've heard of more and more organisations deciding to migrate all of their data systems and workloads into the cloud. It's a big step, especially given not so long ago there was a lively debate about the wisdom of having anything but the least sensitive, least critical data stored in a public virtual environment. As you heard in a previous episode of the CIO show, experts feel that few organisations really need to keep anything on premise these days. 
except in certain cases where there's a regulatory and or compliance reason for doing so. This next episode, we'll be speaking with CIOs leading the deployment of cloud solutions for organisations in Australia about the pros, cons and cultural challenges of migrating to a fully virtual technology architecture. We hope you can join us.